This is a HeadGum Podcast. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Uh, hello, Rachel. Oh. Okay, okay. Shirley, Rachel, we have a lot because we always do have a lot. And the fan mail at the end. You got to wait for it. You got to really got me and and listen to the bitter end. It was amazing. It really got me. (laughs) It still hurts a little bit. There's a lot to discuss. I mean, first we start out on a high. Hi. With what is the true meaning of cornhole (laughs) and where did it originate? Then we get into a beautiful film. You're going to learn something. You're going to learn a lot. Yep. Mm -hmm. But most of all, honestly, after this podcast, you're going to feel great. That's right. You might forget everything we say. No. But you'll never forget how we made you feel. (laughs) In the great words of Rachel Harris or Maya Angelou or Rachel Harris. Okay, ladies (laughs) and jerks, welcome to... David Holmes, The Boy Who Lived. Rachel. Cheryl. Shirley Hines. We've got some weird sound situations going on because we're both on the road. Yeah. Would you say that's fair to say? (laughs) It is fair to say. And listen, if you hear a baby crying, it's because I'm at my sister, Dr. Becky Hines' oh. house, and we're babysitting for our great nephew. There, I said it. How old can I be? Pretty old. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And you're in a weird hotel room somewhere in the Midwest. I am. I am in Iowa, Iowa. right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's corn silos right by, and it's also the home of Quaker Oats. Is it amazing how high Mm -hmm. corn stalks grow? (laughs) I am fascinated when you're actually standing next to a corn field. Yeah. It's intimidating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I haven't seen any corn fields here. (laughs) You've only seen the corn silos. Mm Mm-hmm. That's weird. So you just see the kernels? No, you don't even see the kernels. (laughs) It's just just towers. And you, you, they're just towers, white towers full of corn. How do you know corn is in it? Uh, because the person that was driving was giving you a tour, driving me around in the car. It's like over here, you have a corn yeah. silo, mm-hmm. and to the left, we and have it, corn silos. Mm-hmm. I well, yeah, I guess that mm-hmm. makes sense. It's weird that you haven't seen any corn. I know. <laughs> it was. I was realizing that I was just going to talk about corn stalks. <laughs> Not that I'd seen them like here, but I've, I've grew up in Ohio, mm. so I've seen corn stalks. I was like, how do you hold that corn on the cob? I, like they're so heavy. And then it's like, oh, well, the stalks are super ah, strong. You mean, how does the stalk hold the corn on the cob? Yeah. <laughs> you guys. Uh, both, I guess. Because you're yeah. not talking about a person. I guess it's the stalk that, yeah, holds the corn. You have corn holders. And there's also a corn hole, which is not what you mm-hmm. think it is. Yeah, no. <laughs> Thank God it's not what you Thank think God it is. Thank God it's not what you think it is. Yeah, but corn hole. Like corn hole, it just sounds so dirty and dramatic and then it's just like oh bean bags that you throw into a yeah hole yeah anyway rachel a hole hole. and you see who can get the bean bags into the hole the fastest this has a lot to do listen the corn hole to do and the corn husking 
And the corn stalk has a lot to do with the doc we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about. And by the way, I was blown away by this Mm -hmm. documentary. Okay, Rachel, should we just get right into it? Yeah, I think we should. I mean, I could talk about cornholes all day. When somebody said, "Do you want to play cornhole?" and I was like, "I doubt it," and then I saw what it was, I was like, (laughs) "Oh, okay, I actually do want to play cornhole." But why do they have to call it cornhole? Where did that name come from? Mm -hmm. It should be called like beanbag hole. Mm Hmm. It's not as cute. But I feel like cornhole means something. Like we should go Google it or something. <laughs> so what is the origin of cornhole? Yeah. Like yeah, pickleball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is Let's it called Google pickleball? That. Yeah. That, why Everything is it else involved? is sensible. Like tennis, racquetball, dodgeball. Where's the origins of the name tennis from? I don't know, from? but at least you play with a like tennis why ball. Why is it called tennis ball? Oh, why is it called yeah, tennis Yeah, but what does tennis mean? See what I'm saying? Not at all. <laughs> but I'm just saying. Why isn't it called tennis ball? Yeah, like why don't they? It's called dodgeball, a racket ball. It's just ball. Mm. Yeah, racket ball makes sense to me because it's a ball and a mm. racket. So tennis. So why is it called tennis ball? What is the origins <laughs> of the word tennis? Okay. I don't know. Any... Well, we're really going down a cornhole oh, here, Rachel. We've gone okay. down a bad. I googled it. Oh, Thomas. okay. The term is a. This is according to Wikipedia. Are we talking about cornhole or are we talking about okay. tennis? Cornhole. Okay, bring it. Okay. The term is apparently derived from the practice in the days of the outhouse of using dried corn cobs for toilet paper. Shut it. And then like <laughs> throwing it in the Come hole. Come on. That <laughs> is. Just... And by the way, that's what I thought the game was. When someone said, do you want to play cornhole? That's sort of the imagery that comes to mind where I'm just like, I don't think I do. You thought I'm going to take the stalk of the corn, wipe myself, and then throw it in a hole. That's what you got? Cornhole, it just sounds like, I don't know. It doesn't sound inviting. When somebody asked you if you wanted to play cornhole, did you say yes? Yeah. I feel like I played cornhole with you for the first time. I don't remember. I just remember playing it. In the snow? Did you play it in the snow? Cold no. cornhole. No, that was somebody else. Cold cornhole. That's that's just. <laughs> we'll table it. Okay, we're gonna table it. It also then why is it with bean bags and why isn't it played with corn stalks? Or Rachel, while you're there, will you find out if in Iowa they actually play cornhole yeah. with corn stalks? With corn stalks yeah. and a and a toilet. <laughs> well, like a hole, like an outhouse. Okay, my stepdad Gary uh-uh. had a uh, nope. outhouse in West no, Virginia. Yeah, we went to the house and they put like lime down in there or something. Oh. And I remember thinking, this is uh, just as a kid, you kind of you're you know you're like, okay, this is the house where your grandma Odette lives. And then you're like, there's no electricity and there's an outhouse, and it's like, huh? But then you're like, well, I guess this is just what we do. And we would all like, <laughs> we'd walk down the hill. I remember Jack. <laughs> And and I and Kelly and Bruce and, no. Ch- and my mom was there, and you know my mom was loving no. it. No, she no. wasn't. We slept in a tent, loving on the property, every which tells you everything you need to know. And then we'd go to the bathroom. Was this his full time house? My stepdad? Yeah. No, no, no. This was his mom's house. This was my stepdad's mom's house in like Martin's Ferry, West Virginia. Did she live there? Yeah. How did she get to the outhouse? Odette. She walked. <laughs> what? Like you get up in the morning and walk out to the out- outhouse? Yeah. This would have been like the late 70s. Okay. I thought you were going to say like early the early 80s. 1900s. And then <laughs> I'm sure it was built then because there was no electricity. That's insanity. Yeah, it was crazy. How far was the outhouse? You have to walk in a line like a... It was like a little path. <laughs> Down to the outhouse. I just remember being so scared that when I sat down to pee, and there was toilet paper okay, there, right? Nice. But I was so freaked out. What if you fell in? No, I wasn't oh. worried about falling in. I was afraid that when I sat down to use the outhouse, yeah. that a critter Ew. was going to bite me. Oh, my God. That was just my childhood fear. But, Rachel, I mean, I think that fear is justified. Yeah. <laughs> because... I just like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I never say that to you. How many times do I say your fear is justified? (laughs) I never. 
never say that to you. <laughs> never. <laughs> never, never, never. Uh, Almost every single thing that I tell you that I'm afraid of you, this is, how, this is the response. Just like Cynthia Cameron, who's my mother. Rachel. <laughs> Rachel. That's not happening. Okay, Rachel. You're worried about things that are ah. happening and things that aren't going to happen. No, but it's there's always an okay, okay. before it. Like, okay. <laughs> yes! <laughs> okay. But in fairness, I do say to you, I just need to get this off yes. my chest. It's an insane yes. fear. But let's, let's just... break I'm it just down. Gonna put it You're out like, there. I got to break it down before I go to sleep. It's like, great. I'm <laughs> glad you called. You're like... <laughs> Okay, Rachel, listen, we've got a lot to cover. Let me just tell you, Cheryl puts the less in fearless. (laughs) Okay, listen, first of all, let's remind everyone this is a comedy podcast. Yeah. This is like, you know what drives me crazy? Even on on shows like The Bachelor and things like that, when somebody has to say out loud, oh, we're having a good time, aren't we? It's like, yeah, boy, I doubt it. Yeah. I know. If you have to say it, like this, you have to say that was fun, <laughs> or this is fun. This that was is fun. fun. That was fun tonight. <laughs> Ooh, there is a person in my life that's like, well, that was fun tonight, wasn't it? That was fun, and it mm. it makes me feel like, are you trying to convince yourself? Yeah. Either you're trying to convince yourself, or you never you never thought it was going to be fun to begin with, and you're shocked, exactly, surprised that you had fun, or you're just like, let's get our story straight before we talk to other people. That was fun, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah okay Rachel yeah today we are talking about David Holmes the boy who lived it's a 2023 documentary film directed by Dan Hartley it features the story of David Holmes a stunt man who landed a dream job as a teenager doing stunts for Daniel Radcliffe in the Harry Potter movies The film is produced by Daniel Radcliffe and also highlights his relationship with David over the years. David Holmes, The Boy Who Lived, is available to watch on Max. Woo, Nelly. I mean. Wow, Nelly. Wow, Nelly. Whoa, 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 whoa. This was, talk about highs and lows. Highs and lows. Highs and lows. Uh, Highs and lows, like so, 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 so beautiful. Like gut-wrenching, awful, and beautiful. Yeah, that's right. So should we just say what the, what is the story is about? Well, okay. Mm-hmm. If you see sort of the movie poster, I mean, it's Daniel Radcliffe and a guy next to him, David Holmes, in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, there is a story here yeah so David Holmes was I mean he's a remarkable human being Mm -hmm. so he started out as Daniel Radcliffe's stunt double in the Harry Potter movie and he became his stunt double in every Harry Potter movie and he was a few years older than Daniel and I mean what's so great about this there's so much footage and it's spectacular to watch because you see mm-hmm. all this footage of the two of them when they were so young, just like mm-hmm. so little and they're doing stunts and they're hanging out. There was an age gap there. Yeah. And that, that was one of the reasons that David got hired was because he looked so young even though he was older because Daniel Radcliffe even comments on the fact that it never felt like he was acting older or acting young. It's just they just got on. They just got along very yeah. well. And, They're all British, by the way. Um, so if Rachel yeah. floats into one of her British accents. Oh, God. She, I didn't. I just said they no, got on. No, I know. On. Like they I got heard on it. Like and that's why I, I called it out because I'm like, here we go. The, but those were the words that he I used. I There's know. There's a lot of, he was my mate. And I'm like, I hear Rachel Harris. <laughs> She's going to go into some <laughs> bad British accent talking about her mate getting it on. How dare you say bad? I am an accomplished theater actress. Oh, Rachel. How convenient that you told Thomas to have us take a break <laughs> when I'm talking about my theater career. Oh, no. Oh, no. What if that's all we hear about for the rest of this podcast? 
Well, when I first graduated okay, from college, I had a touring a break. group called the Children's Theatre Group of something and such. <laughs> they traveled up and down the East Coast. With my mates. We did The Ransom of Red Chief, and I played the little this boy. This can't be true. Every morning at 10 a.m. None it of is it true. is true. Okay. Yep. I sure um, did. Rachel, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will continue mm-hmm. on with David Holmes, The Boy Who Lived. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. We're back. Okay. The thing about yeah. David Holmes is he was a very accomplished gymnast. Yeah. I mean, to watch his gymnastics was uh, uh, mind-blowing. Yeah. He really was fearless. He was fearless. He, he even said he didn't have any sense of fear. And he yeah, loved he it because he had such great enthusiasm. Whether it was skateboarding or doing like tricks on the skateboard, right? Or doing gymnastics. Yeah, he loved it. And, you know, I'm very fascinated too by stunts and even to watch footage of the stunt person doing it. And then you see what it looked like in the film. It's just, it's pretty extraordinary that, first of all, that the stunt people know how to do these stunts. It's the opposite of actors because they're trying to not show their face in a shot when that's all the actors want to do is even when they're hugging each other in a scene it's like i'm gonna get the side closest to the camera because <laughs> my best work is going to be in this hug and they, they want to make sure that that their face yeah. is always on camera and the stunt people are complete opposite of that mm-hmm. they land with their hair in their face or they land with their they, they just they're so precise yeah and they love what they do you know it's yeah. a completely different art form yeah but it's also the the adrenaline rush yeah he said something like, "If you're, you're not really living if you're not almost dying." Whoa, doing a stunt Whoa. or something. Don't quote me, okay. but he said something like that. Yeah, like it felt great to like push the envelope in that regard. Yeah, they were all obsessed. Like all of the stunt people, the stunt coordinator, yeah. they really loved doing they loved it. Doing it, and they were always pushing themselves, and it looked like fun. They were having so much fun, and. And really, yeah, kind of like you and I, we love to we love to do our own stunts. <laughs> it's like I remember in um, flight so attendant, much. I had to like keep walking up and down stairs in a parking garage, and I was like, "Ugh, can I get a stunt double?" To? And she's like, "Actually, no. We're on your face. We can see you." Yeah, and but you, like, <laughs> but you were also wearing, but you were also heels. wearing like stiletto heels, and my knees are like, yeah. "Okay, come on." And I'm in a hurry. And your bunions. And my bunions. Let's be Rachel, honest. That's when I had one bad bunion. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. And when you watch this film, we're, we're looking at people <laughs> who are literally yeah. flying through the air, like somersault after somersault after somersault, landing, doing a flip, and then another mm-hmm. somersault. And you're just, you're like, wow. Yeah. yeah, they're like Teflon. Yeah. The point is that they loved yeah. it so yeah. much. They all became friends. Yeah. Which you do on sets. You get super tight with the hair and makeup people. Yeah. I think it's the thing that they kept saying too is that this was Daniel Radcliffe's, like his first big film. Yeah. And he said it was so much structure for him and it was the same people over that long period of time from when you do four films together, that's 10 years. So 
that was like their family, yeah. you know, their film family that they spent so much time yeah. with. They were very, very close. And their and their relationship was very sweet, Daniel's and David's, because, you know, David would would really practice the stunt and perfect it and then help Daniel help train him how to do it and Daniel really trusted him and it was just a really beautiful relationship uh and a lot of flying around on a broom on a broomstick yeah that was funny (laughs) I was like oh he was like you're about to do it you're British go ahead I know I was how come because I saw it coming you'd be like hey I'm on a broomstick he's like yes that's right I'm sitting (laughs) on on a broomstick he's like Quite uncomfortable, not great, doing it for hours. He's like, but they put like a, a bicycle, a bicycle seat oh. on there. Yeah, not great. But also not complaining. No, never complaining. Just saying it was rather uncomfortable. Yeah. He said he spent the better part of all the films on that broomstick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the a lot double. of broomstick work. Ugh. But so, okay. I mean, I don't even want to talk about it, but. This is what the whole f- film is about. I know. I keep trying to lead I you know, into and I don't it. Want and you're to. like, it's like, let's talk about cornholes. Okay. So what happened is, Rachel, mm-hmm. one day he was doing a stunt that they call a jerk back, where you have a harness connected mm-hmm. to you. And maybe you're the person, if you're doing the stunt, you're the person running forward. And then they jerk you back really fast. And then in this mm-hmm. case, it was against a, a mat against the wall. Yeah, that was supposed to simulate like a, like a rock wall. Yeah. And right. yeah, something happened with the weight that was involved, which is weird because I didn't realize, the, mm-hmm. I didn't understand the weights of it all. Because have you ever had to do the that jerk back? Yes. I did it in my last... <laughs> episode of I actually did uh, I did it in RV uh, on the film Old Dads did you do it oh you did yeah no I really did in RV they no I've never done I had the harness and I was in the RV but I think it was just like a stuntman on the other side like pulled me really fast but Mm -hmm. it was of course not very dramatic we were in a movie called RV and it was an RV situation the pound thing that, that that what they were talking about with the pounds is that it had to be a certain weight, like his body weight, in order to pull the weight of him back so fast. Right. So, like they dropped the weights. Is that what you think? They dropped the weight to pull the pull. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, something yeah. was. Yeah. It was just a freak accident. They had rehearsed it the day before, and then they he went to do it. They put on his helmet, got him all set, and then they did the pullback. And he, it pulled him back up against the wall and immediately went on contact. He said, I broke my neck. And they were like, what? And they all ran over. And he said, I, I, I broke my neck. I can't feel anything. And then his, the stunt coordinator, who's so sweet oh, and like, just, I can't even imagine the man in charge was pinching his legs so hard and saying, can you feel this? Can you feel this? He's like, what? What, what what are you doing? And he couldn't feel anything. And so then mm-hmm. he knew immediately mm-hmm. yeah, that he was paralyzed from the chest down. He had the use of his arms at yeah. that point. So you see early on in this in this documentary, you see David in the wheelchair. He's basically narrating it and telling his story. So you see that he's in the mm-hmm. wheelchair and you see that he's paralyzed. And you see Daniel Radcliffe going to visit David and... It's very sweet, you know. They they just have a long-lasting friendship. Yeah. I feel like the through line of the whole film is their relationship. And and Mark, the other stunt double oh that God. was brought in to do other stunts with him. And his good friend Mark was also there the day that he had the accident. Like I think what's remarkable about it is that Daniel Radcliffe with all the success of Harry Potter and everything that was going on in his life and moving on with his career, he never forgot David. He's maintained that relationship with yeah. him and has cared for him. Well, it was very sweet because there's footage of uh, when Daniel was on Broadway. And David said that Daniel flew the two of them out there and, you know, you could see them running around. This was clearly before the accident, but running around New York. And then 
And then when, when Daniel was like, yeah, they were flagpoling all over the place. I was like, what is a flagpole? And then they showed, mm-hmm. they showed them like, mm-hmm. hey, just somebody who can hold on to a flagpole, but make their body horizontal to it. I'm just like, what? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that requires a lot of strength. Yeah. Like the, the, the pole is the pole and then your body it's is the flag. flag. It's and they horizontal. make it look so easy. Like you're blowing in the breeze. Yeah. And yeah. you're not. Nobody, you're not blowing in the breeze. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very cute and very yeah. sweet. And, <laughs> and those two, you know, had the mm-hmm. best time. And then. Didn't he say like even a week later that that happened? Oh, I don't know. Because they were in pre-production. They hadn't started shooting mm, the fourth that film That makes sense. Yet. And they were rehearsing, getting ready. I listen. All of it was intense, but. Even David saying when it happened and he went to the hospital, they said, we need to call your mom. And he said, don't ring my mom. She's got enough to worry about. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Then just as a mother, you feel like, oh, my gosh, I don't want any of my kids to ever no, I know. say that. And I want them to be like, no, I need her right now. But I also think that he didn't realize the enormity of actually what was happening to him or he was in shock. Yeah. They kept talking about how their brains kept telling them, oh, he's going to come yeah. out of this. And like in a, in a year or something, he's going to be back to normal. But the devastating fact was accepting the fact that, no, this is permanent. Yeah. That he's, he's never going to walk again was yeah. horrifying. Yeah. Okay. No, it's, there's a lot of this that's very uplifting. So uplifting because they said even the couple of days after his accident, he was wanting to take care of everybody. Oh, God. Wanting to, like, have the room be fun. He was playing, like, Chubby Bubby <laughs> or whatever. Like, Chubby Bunny with, like, with the, again, with the breaks, Thomas. Thomas is saying we have to take a break. After the break, Rachel will explain what Chubby Bunny is. We'll be right back. Delve into the shadows of the mind. With Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we're back, Rachel. First, let me ask you a question before you say this. Okay. Is this like a game that most people know? Uh, Like you're saying, oh, then they play Chubby Bunny. Like, okay, yeah, that's what everybody plays. Well, this is the thing. I didn't know it was called Chubby Bunny, but I've heard of people doing this with marshmallows. Like seeing who... Can stuff which seems extraordinarily dangerous to do. Dangerous. Well, tell them what it is. Just we're you really building it up to be something, and it's not because what it is is that you take turns. You do one. You put one marshmallow in your mouth, and you say, "Chubby okay. bunny." Then the next person puts one in. Then the, you go around and you put two in. Then everybody has to say "Chubby bunny," and you put as many marshmallows in your mouth till the person who has the most marshmallows in their mouth can still say "Chubby bunny." What's the danger yeah. that you swallow a marshmallow? Well, that you choke on it. Like if you get like eight marshmallows in there, right? <laughs> so and they I, somehow get I, lodged I'm hoping down that into your no, throat. There's never I'm been so one instance of a chubby bunny game going wrong. I hope not. But again, That's hey, <laughs> this is another irrational fear of mine. So just had to get it off my chest. If you were in a hospital room visiting somebody and they said, let's do a quick round of chubby bunny, would you be like, actually, I don't play chubby bunny? Because it's very dangerous. Well, I think I'm thinking more of like my okay, kids, yeah. you okay. know, like my five-year-old or my yeah. seven-year-old. Like, 
just thinking I, it's funny and laughing and like <laughs> yeah. thank you thank you for thank you for acting that out <laughs> you're it's what i do you're a very Cheryl. good actress i'm you're a professionally good. trained actress and i'm a beast <laughs> and when i get an opportunity to act i'm gonna take I it i like that you're a beast oh i okay. am i'm a beast i'm a beast do women want to be called a beast i guess sure they do uh-huh okay yeah sure they do yeah okay you know what i loved about this movie what this is what got me like to the core got me is that it's mostly these young guys in this film and -hmm. they were so articulate with their feelings and open and vulnerable you know even daniel when he said he went to visit david he wanted to be seem normal and but it wasn't normal and you know he really wanted to let his friendship shine through instead of all of his emotions and so even when you know somebody can articulate that well a lot of us have felt that at some time in our lives where someone's either very ill or possibly dying or whatever that moment is that's so monumental And Mm -hmm. you think before you go in to see that person, the last thing they want to see is me walk in and burst into tears and cry the whole time and then leave, Mm -hmm. right? So just him being able to articulate that, be like, I wanted to be there for him as a friend was just so... Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to want you to do that for me. Just cry the whole time. (gasps) Rachel! Mm -hmm. And just be so sad. And then I'll be like, Mm -hmm. Rachel... I cried before I came in here because I wanted to be uplifting for you. And you're like, ah, shit. I would rather see the tears. Yeah. That I'm a victim. (laughs) That's what I want to see. And I'm a victim here. (laughs) That's all I want. That's all you want. No, but I think you're right. He really did talk about the emotions of that and not wanting it to be weird. And he said that that didn't last long. Yeah, And he attributed a lot of that to David. Because David, oh my God, David, and his attitude and his, I mean, Rachel, when he was in the hospital and he's like just trying to get movement in his arm and he asked the nurse how she was doing and did she lose anybody during COVID? And she did. And he said, I'm really sorry. Mm -hmm. While she's doing little pinpricks on his arm to see if he can feel his fingers, his arm. Mm-hmm. And he was genuinely asking and caring. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow. But by the way, his mom really made me laugh because at one at one moment, Ugh. she was like spoon feeding him when he was in the hospital. And he's so cute, you know, and he was said, oh, this is great. The only thing I need right now is two beautiful women and she's like, you got your mom. And she kept feeding him. <laughs> and I was like, she was just like, okay, you got your mom. Don't, you don't have two <laughs> beautiful women. Move on. <laughs> it really made me laugh. <laughs> it was so good. And also, nice accent. Oh, did I? Did I breeze mm-hmm. in and out? Oh, yeah, you did. You said you got your mom. <laughs> you did it. I mean, you I did, did it. it, Rachel. She's available for period pieces, y'all. No, I think it was it was so sweet. And what a beautiful family, Ugh. his mom and dad. It's, it's hard not to put yourself in her position as a mom. Ugh. What would you do? I think about my own kids that are just so crazy active. Henry climbs yeah. everything. You know, he's just like constantly yeah. on the move. And, whoo, and you just think, she's amazing. She's a rock star. Yeah. I, I mean, who knows what it was like for her in the beginning, but you can see, like, overall, she is an amazing yeah, mom. And yeah. the dad, I mean, like, they yeah. just... And even when she said, you know, after the accident to David, okay, who is to blame? And let's go after that person. And she yeah. was mad. Yes, this is the Ugh. best part. Yes. Because she wanted to blame yeah. someone. Of course, it's human nature. And he mm-hmm. said, my life has been ruined. Why should I want to ruin someone else's? And so he didn't, uh, yeah. quote unquote, go after anyone. He knew in his gut that it was an accident. Yeah. 
And she said, well, hearing that from David, she was okay with that. And she was like, I can relax. Like, didn't she say she felt so relieved? Yeah. Uh, David was, I mean, so inspiring in this film because he basically the whole time is saying, this is who I am. This is what I have. And I want to be happy and share happiness with people instead Mm -hmm. of instead of anything else. And that's exactly what he did. And he was talking about like the other boys that were in his hospital room and he knew all about them and what they'd been through. And yet, like one, one of them was a, he said they were in a war. Yeah. Yeah. And so he felt like, wow, I'm lucky. And you were just listening to him. Just like, (laughs) he was like, these guys had it so much worse than I did when, I mean, (sighs) You know, we take for granted that our bodies work all the time. And I'm grateful yeah. that as we get older, we, you, you lose that sense, right? You, you become more grateful for, for your body and the fact that you woke up and everything. But to be so young and be in that world where you're on the, the biggest movie franchise and it's gone in seconds. Yeah. I think would be a next level low. Yeah. You know, I and mean, for him to be so, so positive. Yeah. But he also attributes that to his friends, to Mark and then the other person that took care of him. Tommy. Tommy was so amazing, too, because Tommy, oh, mm-hmm. this also got me. At some point, they're showing Tommy really taking care of David. And if you haven't been in this situation or been around it, it's, it takes a lot of physical strength to... Well, it did make me think a lot of, of Michael. yeah. My nephew, Michael, has cerebral palsy, and he's been in a wheelchair since, I don't know, he was two, three. And yeah, he now he's 20. And the physical strength you need to get him out of bed, to get him dressed, it's a lot. And they asked David's friend Tommy in this, they said, wow, you, you really take care of him. That must feel like a big responsibility. And he said, no, he's my best mate. It's like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah. you know, had this understanding that that's who, that's who David is now. And they showed yeah. them going on a safari, like flying in a mm-hmm. plane. And David said, you know, asked Tommy to put on his chest strap because he asked the pilot to do a loop-de-loop. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But that's a whole attitude. Yeah. Like that's a yeah. choice. Yeah. I think naturally he is that guy. But I also think that's incredible circumstances to live with. If he can make that choice every day, I just was watching the film and saying to the people around me, everything's relative, but if this guy can have this attitude. I know. I can have this attitude in every aspect of my life. I it just was, That's what I mean. Like if you watch it's the true. film, it's so uplifting and it makes you just feel like, okay, I got this. I can do life. Yeah. If this guy can yeah. do this, I, I, can, I can do this life. And there was another great thing that happened. Things started to still deteriorate, and he had to do 12 surgeries, was it, Cheryl? Something like that, yeah. Like one after the other. Over a two-week period. And in between each surgery, he's like, I'm back. Yeah. Let's go. I've got this next one. I'm he recorded st- it on his phone. And just, you know, telling people, like, oh, this was a tough one, but I got it. I'm still here. And and it was painful. Like he was having pain uh, in his back. No, mm-hmm. and then he had to have brain surgery. Yep. Ugh. And that's when his mom was like, enough is enough. Yeah. And his attitude again. Yeah. If you're having a I feel sorry for myself day. Yeah. You need to put this on. And- Real quick. Exactly. Guaranteed 20 minutes. You will be grateful for every single thing in your life. Yeah. Even. And it was. Yeah. Even when your friend calls you and talks about the same issue 7,654 times and you're like, I'm, I hear you. I hear and if you. you think this is going to change. Remember what I said last mm-hmm. night, Rachel, it's the same thing tonight, mm-hmm. but we can, we can talk it through. <laughs> I we didn't can. say it was my issue, Everybody Cheryl. knows I it's your issue. Saying. Everybody listening knows it's your issue. <laughs> you know what else was, I thought so interesting. So- the other stunt guy, Mark, 
who was on in, yes. in the Harry Potter movies. This was like mm-hmm. oh, a little bit heart-wrenching. Uh-huh. He got a call to be yeah. the lead stuntman on Robin Hood with Russell Crowe, the film Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. And David asked Mark to stay and take over as the Harry Potter stuntman. So. And he did it. And once again, a guy being very vulnerable and talking about mm-hmm. the way he was feeling and what he went through and, oh, and him just saying, you know, I had never gotten a call like that ever from a film with Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I was asked to then take over to be the Harry Potter stunt person. And he said he had a lot of feelings about it because he felt yeah. like that that should be David. Yeah. Rachel, I was in my feelings. I love it. And now we see Greg. Oh, okay. No, we haven't really talked about Greg, but we'll just touch on it. It's really amazing. And so Greg was the stunt coordinator for, for the Harry Potter movies. And he was kind of a... Was in charge the day of the, of the accident. Yeah. And a paternal figure for David. And a mentor, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And he he even talks in this, in this film. And he says, you know, it's hard for me to see David because I feel like if he would have never met me, this never would have happened. And to hear somebody say that, yeah, you're just that's like, massive. Your heart just breaks. And it's also heartbreaking for David because David just wants his friendship and still loves him and... Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't get any feeling that David had any ill will towards Greg. Did you get that feeling at all? None. I didn't get Zero. that at all. I mean, I felt like he knew the day it happened. Yeah. That it was an accident. Yeah. He didn't feel like anybody was liable. Yeah. <sighs> so it was sweet because you did get to see Greg go and visit David. But he's pretty stoic, Greg. Till he's not. And he sits down and he's talking with David. They're talking about how they're doing and Greg starts to get very emotional and he takes a break but the cameras are still rolling and he immediately looks to the producer and says that's when he said that thing Cheryl when he said I just feel like if he had never met me this never would have happened to him and he's like it's really hard for me to see him and to watch him and he talks about the day that he went to see him in the hospital and they lifted him out of the bed right. with this, like, the, lift. the triangle. Yeah, they have, like, a lift. Contraption that mm-hmm. lifts you up. He goes, seeing him like that haunts me every day, more so than even the day the accident happened. Just seeing that's how he lives. <sighs> I mean. I know. I think the only reason that Greg is still walking the earth is because David extended such grace to him. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it could have gone completely differently. That family, David, they could have been understandably angry and devastated. Yeah. But they turned it into a positive. Yes. And towards the end of the film, you see David, Tommy, Mark, and Daniel sitting around talking and talking about their Harry Potter days. And Daniel was so cute. Daniel, I mean, we haven't even talked enough about Daniel Radcliffe, but man, he seems like an amazing person. And mm-hmm. just as Daniel saying, yeah, I didn't feel like I was that cool <laughs> when he was younger in the Harry Potter movies. Mm-hmm. He's like, it wasn't like Lord of the Rings. And he said, but now when I see it, I think, oh yeah, that was pretty cool. And Mark, I mean, cute Mark, who was the stuntman who says that he watches it with his kids. It's just the cutest and sweetest. (laughs) And now David still loves film. He launched Cunning Stunts, a podcast about stunts, which I loved seeing that. He wants to create a stunt training facility for young performers. He's raised over 100,000 pounds for charity through his cricket tournament. Rachel. Yeah. Are you ready for some final thoughts? (laughs) I sure am. It's time for mm-hmm. Happily Ever After Thoughts, where we give our final thoughts on this week's documentary. Did you cry? I didn't. Did you cry? Oh, my God. I cried for an hour straight. I did not stop. <gasps> I have never seen myself in such a condition. 
I mean, something sad would happen and then I'd cry and then something sweet would happen. And then when I see the guys being so vulnerable and, oh my God, Mark talking Mm -hmm. about, even talking about the day of the accident, he watched it and Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell if it was the documentary itself, which I think, yes, but also because my nephew, Michael, mm-hmm. is, he's not paralyzed, yeah. but he definitely does not have control over his body and he can't sit up or yeah walk yeah, or yeah. anything like that. So I think it was, it was probably a definite combination of the two. And then when David said, you have to be able to find light in the darkest places, then there's yeah. The tears, every time I'd be like, okay, I have pulled it together. And something like that would happen. Yeah. I'd be like, damn you, David. But actually, I was sitting next to Becky, mm-hmm. my sister, and I looked over and she's crying. And the two of us were like, oh, wow. This is a like a double, uh, a double Heinz lady cry. Yeah. You guys don't show emotion. <laughs> We usually do not, we are usually not that. You guys are really pretty good at locking we it lock down. We lock it down. Becky also works with so many students. Yeah, she specializes in disability. And to see the love and the unconditional love and the complete support that they had. And also a mourning, you know, what, yeah. you know, it's like you guys are mourning what happened with Michael too. Yeah. If I can be yeah. so honest. Yeah, yeah. You know, I it's, just think it's a lot. It is a lot. This film was very cathartic. Yeah, but I think uh, there are certain things that I can't watch that are, I mean, that move me so much more than the average person because it's dealing with something that I've dealt with or that my kids are dealing with. Hypochondria? You know. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, <laughs> Ba-boom. <laughs> She'll be here all week. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Uh, no, I get it. Yeah, if the, the, different stories touch mm-hmm. us in different ways because we see ourselves or someone we know and it's hard and it's also good. Yeah. Uh, Rachel? Yes, Who were you attracted to? Oh, my goodness. It's an odd one to be attracted to. I know, because they were so young when we started. However, I... (laughs) (laughs) I am surprised that you're not saying the same person that I'm thinking. Wouldn't it be an obvious choice? I mean... Oh, Oh, maybe not. Oh. You want to say it on three? Yeah. One, One, two, two... Three, Mark. Mark. Oh, okay. Okay, oh, I thought you were going to say Daniel, who is adorable. He's adorable. He's adorable, but I think we have him in that cake I know. box. But also Mark yeah. dealt with everything so well and was just so honest. I think that that was As what's attractive. As did Daniel. As did Daniel. And did David. And Tommy. But they were all cute. That's the thing. They're yeah. all cute. Okay. Do you want a true story talk back or we've talked it out? I feel like we've talked it out. I loved this film. Listen, when this was over, I turned to Dr. Becky Hines and I said, that's going to get an Oscar. Yeah. You heard it here first on True Story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Rach, before we go, would you like to hear some true fan mail? Yes, I would. Oh, my gosh. Kip writes, "Uh uh-oh, collapsible baby bottle on Amazon. Hope Cheryl doesn't lose her shit. By the way, Kip, I just lost my shit looking at this. And my mouth is agape. I am angry, and it's also very similar to the one that I patented. However. Uh, listen, I've seen the design that you made, and that is very similar, similar. But Kip, I want you to know, thank you for looking this up. <laughs> I would have never known. So this, this looks like a little triangle. However, the one that I did mm-hmm. was like an upside-down triangle and then a right-side-up triangle. So the little baby could hold it in the middle. But it would have, it had a little uh, hourglass kind of figure. This is a half hourglass. And Kip, yeah, I'm going to lose my shit. I have lost my shit. But thank you for... Yes, this is Cheryl <laughs> losing her shit. <laughs> um, this is from Jody. Jody writes, mm-hmm. I was listening to your podcast when you were talking about Cheryl's lame <laughs> vices. <laughs> And I, oh, and I thought the Nicorette was a great idea, so I went to the pharmacy to buy some. Of course, I had no idea how much to buy. My ex told me I had to ask for it. The woman behind the counter called another clerk over to help, and it was a bit of a scene, <laughs> especially when I told them that I was a non-smoker. No. 
and that I heard about it on a podcast from, from a woman who also doesn't smoke and uses it. Oh my God, this is mm-hmm. terrible. I told, I get ready to go to jail, Cheryl. I told them that Cheryl said it took the edge off, and one of them, them one of them, has said I must have anxiety, but that it was none of her business. What was going on at this CBS? Oh, okay. There were several types to choose from, so I just asked for the cheapest. By the way, it's not that cheap. Anyway, it tastes like an ashtray. <laughs> and it made my heart beat fast, so I threw it out after two tries. But the next day, I needed some pep. Oh, my God. So I dug it out of the trash like a true addict. Oh, my God. I love this. This is my favorite. And it worked. Favorite. And it worked. <laughs> I haven't thrown it out again, but I haven't tried it again either. Only you, Cheryl. Only you. <laughs> oh my God. Could turn me into a Nicorette <laughs> addict. Thanks, Cheryl. See you on the other side. No. Oh my gosh. That killed me, Jody. Oh my God, Jody. Listen, Jody, walk away. <laughs> Jody, call Jody, us. Call us. Call us right now, and we're going to talk you off Jody, a ledge. I'm going to tell you right now. You can't call us. There's a 12-step program for you, too. Oh, I love this conversation with the person at the drugstore saying that. No, I don't smoke. But Cheryl told me it takes the edge off. And yeah. the lady said, mm-hmm. you must have anxiety. Have anxiety. What was going yeah. on in this store? I don't oh, know. Oh, my God. Oh, it hurts me. Okay, you guys... We'd love to hear from you. Email us at truestoryfanmail at gmail.com. That's truestoryfanmail at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram. Oh, my face hurts now. Jody, my face hurts. On True Story on, what is our, uh, (laughs) you say it. At True Story Doc Pod. That's right. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's it, you guys. That is it. Okay, Rach, we'll call you tonight. (laughs) All right, we'll call you tonight. True Story is hosted by me, Cheryl Hines, and Rachel Harris. It's produced by Thomas Willette, audio engineered and edited by Steph Willen, with production assistant from Nadia Labetz. Special thanks to Gabby Kovacic, Patrick McDonald, and Stephanie Allen. Follow us on social media for updates and review and rate True Story wherever you get your podcasts. You can email us at truestoryfanmail at gmail.com. That was a HeadGum Podcast.